This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Omnichannel Marketer. This is Kate Stevens, and today I have Cedar Carter, the CEO of The Good Patch, and Lauren Foray, the Director of E-Commerce at The Good Patch. Would love to, you know, have both of you introduce yourselves, you know, tell everyone a little bit more about your respective backgrounds. Sure. Hi, I'm Cedar, CEO of The Good Patch, and I spent about 20 years early on in my career in the apparel industry and just in a marketing capacity early on building big brands like BCBG Max Azria, Roxy and O'Neill, also an activewear brand, and then met the founders of The Good Patch and came on board here to startup life. I spent the first part of my career about eight years or so in retail buying and category management, more recently for Walmart e-commerce and Amazon. So more in the e-com space later on and about a year and a half ago, made the move to the brand side and to the startup world as Cedar did as well with a good patch. So I now run e-commerce and digital for the brand. So excited to be here. Great. And so this is our first time having two guests uh, at the same time on the Omnichannel Marketer. So excited for the, you know, the different conversations we can have here. Cedar, would love to hear a little bit more about the Good Patch. You know, how are you positioned in the market? What's a little bit of the, you know, the brand story and, you know, where we're focused right now? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I came on board about three years ago and the brand was just hitting the market and we have three lovely founders and two of them were spa owners. And really the whole brand brand started because they were just hearing from their customers constantly about the things that we all, I think, struggle with daily. You know, I'm tired, I'm on my period today, and I have cramps, and I'm, you know, I'm just, I need energy, or I'm so stressed about X, Y, and Z. And then the third founder was really seeing how patch technology, which has been around for a very long time, actually, was utilized for really serious kind of more drug applications and things. And so they said, well, why don't we take that wonderful technology and apply it to the everyday need states that we can solve for our customers and our spas? And so that's exactly what they did, you know, and they came up with the good patch and can see like B12 Awake for, you know, to give your day a boost is our bestseller and has been since day one. We have Rescue for a big night out, Dream for sleep, obviously. And so they put the products out into their spas that they owned and operated and just really realized how much it was resonating with the consumer. And then, you know, went to a, a small trade show with independent boutiques and were pretty quickly discovered by some, some fairly large retailers. Early on, you know, we were in Anthropology and Barney's and some some very aspirational places, along with a lot of upscale spas and boutiques. And so it started very organically, just like, hey, there's this need in the market to solve these things for people. And they went about it in a very new way. And fast forward to today, and we're in about 10,000 retail locations nationwide. And then Lauren, of course, runs a very strong you know, digital e-commerce business for us as well. So when you were starting out as a brand, you know, I heard you say you started, you know, in boutiques and, you know, more of that spa 
Did you also have a digital presence at that time? Like, was there an e-commerce presence as well? You know, what's funny is it started so organically that no, we were actually, we did not have an e-commerce business to start, which is very backwards to how a lot of brands start, but just kind of speaks to the authenticity of what the founders were trying to accomplish at the time. But we very quickly did build out a D2C side of things. And when I came on board, I'd had quite a bit of experience in that world. So we built out a D2C side of the business pretty quickly from there. So yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about, and it sounds like you're across 10,000 different retail locations, you know, it's amazing scale on the retail side. Talk to me about, you know, the DTC channel, um, you know, some of the e-commerce channels that you're in as well as retail and, you know, how you think about those different channels. Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, to Cedar's point, we started very organically, but the company sort of realized once we started to get that traction that it was really important to have kind of a digitally native presence to or be a digitally native brand as well. I think really important for us to be able to tell our unique story about wellness patches. It's really kind of an emerging or new category within the industry. And we needed to be able to tell our customers who we are, what we do, why we're great. And I guess additionally to that too, being a digitally native brand was so important to deeply understand our customer base and use all the data that we had access to to provide a really best in class brand experience um, and introduce you know people to our brand and kind of immerse them in the good patch. So that being said, we did start D2C fairly quickly after kind of our, our organic start and we moved into the Amazon channel as well. So those are our two kind of main e-commerce channels. We do have, of course, presence on like retailer partner websites like target.com or ulta.com as an example. And in terms of like true e-commerce and marketplaces, we're really focused on our DVC site in Amazon at this point. So the tent, are you also physically in retail as well? Yes. Yeah. So we are, you know, how we look about it is, you know, we we really know who our customer is. And a lot of that is thanks to the D2C side of the brand, right? Being able to see their demographics and who's purchasing the products. We really resonate with this female beauty consumer. And so our goal is really to show up at every touch point along her journey. And that became especially important, you know, when COVID happened and retail shut down and we were thinking about it like, where is she going to shop for her daily needs, her toothpaste and her makeup or what have you? And so, you know, that's when we did our first mass market partnership with Target and got on shelf there. And then we continue to be, you know, we want to show up everywhere along her way so that she can easily grab a good patch and slap on her wearable wellness patch wherever she is. And so, you know, showing up everywhere that your customer is, how did you, you know, how did you decide what, like, you know, where on that journey it was important to be for your customer? Where were some of those, you know, learnings had? Yeah. So, you know, we started in quite aspirational distribution, which was, which was wonderful. And, so, and it's been a, a, a fabulous place for the consumer to discover our brand and, and give it a lot of brand credibility based on the retailers that are carrying us. But then when we decided, when we were looking at, okay, how can we 
reach a broader audience or a lot of these these retailers frankly were closed unfortunately during pandemic times so we were looking at it okay where is she still shopping to get her essentials and that's why we chose target as our first partner and that was a great decision because it allowed us to still reach that same customer but in a different channel and it really allowed us to you know be present in every single part of this country and and kind of figure out what section of the store, you know, what's going to really resonate. And for us, you know, it's been about, you know, looking at our customer and understanding that she's shopping for beauty at Target. And so, you know, even though we don't fit squarely into a beauty box or, you know, some of the other places in the store that you might put us, we're really forging our own category, which has been a very interesting experience. We really resonate with that customer and fit in well with those assortments and those kind of like-minded brands. So that's been a good strategy for us so far. Actually, on that category creation side, you know, do you find that some of the learnings that you bring from D to C can help, you know, inform placement in retail. And then, you know, follow up question there. Are you in the, you know, the beauty aisle next to cosmetics? You know, how do you think about the um, the placement in, in retail? Yeah, I mean, certainly we utilize a lot of data and, you know, from D to C to inform those decisions and also build the case for where in the store we should be. We've also tested in some different locations and different types of retailers. So we have a really strong, you know, data story to back up where we should be and why. And we've gone about it really, you know, I think early on because of our our distribution, some of these higher end retailers, we had a lot of kind of whatever mass marketer, mid-tier kind of retailers coming to us, wanting us to be in their stores, which as an emerging brand is tempting, but we also kind of pumped the brakes a little bit and said, let's let's really understand what's going to work for us and where we should be and where we're going to resonate. So that's why we kind of chose one specific partner and said, let's do this right and then expand from there. But yeah, we utilize a lot of D2C data for many decisions on the marketing and channel side of things. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the Target launch, you know, some learnings, you know, maybe any stories you can share about what you would do differently or, you know, how you adjusted, um, you know, from that launch? Yeah. I mean, you know, thankfully we manufacture here in the U.S. So Target actually did, you know, a cut in for us. So we didn't have a lot of advanced lead time. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where you, you seem very calm on the surface and you're nodding your head like, oh yeah, we can make that happen. Then we get off the call and we're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to make this happen? <laughs> but, but we made it happen obviously and had a really smooth launch, but we had about two months to figure out, okay, how are we going to create this beautiful display for their shelves? and execute it and get it in their stores. And that's where, you know, manufacturing in the U.S. and kind of really understanding our supply chain, you know, came in handy because we were able to work with our manufacturing partners and get a beautiful display done in the U.S. and shipped out to their stores. But so the launch was smooth, but at the same time, we were a new brand and didn't totally know what we were doing. So we we tested you know, it's about, right, making decisions, taking some risks, but making sure that you understand that you're going to learn from the successes and the failures, be able to learn, lean into the things that work and pull out quickly and hopefully cheaply from the things that don't. So we tried a lot of different 
you know, marketing programs through and alongside Target and work with a lot of different influencers to help with that launch. And we even tested different areas in the store and, and figured out what was going to make the most sense for us and thankfully figured it all out pretty quickly. And we're able to, we launched about 500 doors and we're, we were able after a year to expand full chain with them and have really strong sell through and, and be a growth driver for their, their set. And I think you know, why we've resonated for them is because we're really an add-on to their beauty customers. So we're not replacing something in the store. We're, we're really an incremental, you know, we're really incremental to their basket. And so what are some of the, you know, you mentioned influencers, what are some of the marketing strategies that have been effective for the good patch to, you know, help drive that retail sell through? Gosh, um, you know, I don't think there's any magic bullet, unfortunately. I think we all wish there was, but it's really about having a lot of different things that all, you know, a lot of small things that add up to one big thing. So we do really believe in building a community and building a brand. You know, it's, it's great. You need an amazing product to be successful, but you also need an amazing brand behind it. And I think that comes with really building community and resonating with, you know, with your end consumer. And so, you know, we've built out the social media channels that we felt that our consumer was on, like TikTok and Instagram. And then we work with a variety of influencers on both platforms. Um, that we knew, you know, via data that would resonate with the target consumer and other retailers that we've since launched in like Ulta Beauty and CVS. So that strategy has been really good for us to work with a variety of influencers, both big and small, you know, to have a variety of different types. And then we've tested a lot of different things from, you know, some cable TV ads at the end of the day. We've done podcast advertising too. We've done truck sides and, and everything just this past year was really about testing a lot of different little things and figuring out which things worked for us. Yeah. yeah. And I think just to jump in really quickly there to piggyback off of Cedar's point too, I think one thing, and I'll speak for my counterpart who runs marketing, I think one thing that we've done really well is truly test and learn a lot of different initiatives from a full funnel perspective. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes as we think about, and me, especially as you know, a, a digital marketer or an e-commerce person, I think sometimes we tend to think about what drives conversions and not necessarily creating awareness and creating a community and talking to our target audience about our brand, you know, and really retargeting based on who interacts with like this test or that test, you know, I think there's so many touch points now with any consumer before they convert or before they purchase, you know, in this digital age. So I think that's been something that we've seen really trickle into driving retail sales as well, but also, you know, from an Omni perspective, e-commerce too. Yeah, Lauren, I'd love to hear your perspective about, you know, given you are an omni-channel brand, how you think about all of those different touch points and, you know, bridging the gap between, you know, all of the different touch points that your consumer is going to have until ultimately, you know, she purchases in one of those channels. Yeah. And I think I'll, again, echo Cedar and say, I don't think that there's a perfect formula. I think all of us are searching for that perfect formula right now. I will say, I think one strength that we have at the Good Patch is being able to test and learn and to pivot really quickly and fail fast, you know, and make adjustments and tweak from there. Yeah, I think, you know, we've done a lot of analysis to really think about what are the best top of funnel initiatives to create awareness and to have people familiar with our brand. And what do those look like? And what's the ROI that we can calculate on those? 
what what's best middle funnel and and how do we get people to convert at the end of the day and what do those channels look like? I know that's a little bit vague, right? <laughs> but I think you know we've found based on different customer segments from the data that we have on e-commerce, we've found some really clear paths that we do see that work and make sense for us. So we've been you know spending a lot in those areas and putting efforts there. But one thing I will say, I think we also do well. We have a really strong brand compass at the good patch. It's kind of like our holy grail of the brand. We have an internal document. We always reference this. We look at this all the time. And anything that we do is based on our mission and our core values for the good patch too. So that just goes to say, you know, my wholesale partner is focusing on the same key things that I am as an e-commerce professional, but then our marketing person is also focusing on these same things. We're constantly all working together to have the same messaging across channels and to really support each other's channels as well. And I think that really resonates with the customer. And I'll just add to, oh, sorry. (laughs) We're just, we're always testing something. And that's important to me as the CEO of this company, whether it's marketing or D2C or wholesale or, you know, any channel within the organization at our stage, it's really important to always have something that we're testing and it's okay if that test fails, you know, you know, the only way you can kind of learn and move forward is to have some wins, have some failures, as long as you're learning from each of those and leaning in where you can. Um, Lauren, you mentioned something about middle of funnel. What, what would be an example of what middle of funnel is or some a tactic there? Yeah. So we think about, I mean, it could be depending on the customer segment, it could be a lot of different things. I mean, we think about middle of funnel more as kind of an additional touch point. Like I would say top of funnel is true brand awareness. Like we've tested, like Cedar said, like New York City subway ads, or like we've wrapped, you know, trucks, 18 wheelers in, you know, certain parts of the country. And we've done podcast types of marketing. We've done, you know, Spotify, we've done a lot of different TV ads, you know, like connected TV and even linear TV. So obviously those are very top of funnel and just brand awareness. I would say anything that's middle funnel, again, it kind of depends on the customer segment we're looking at, but that to me could be a retargeting ad on Facebook. And that could just be another touch point that's, hey, remember you visited the Good Patch website. Here's our brand. As a reminder, like, you know, our B12 Awake product has over 2,000 five star reviews, something like that. So something that's not necessarily conversion driven, but it's not necessarily very top of funnel. So it's someone who's already kind of familiar with our brand, but it could be something again, like Facebook or meta ad focused, or it could be something affiliate focused as well, Mm -hmm. Um, or it could be programmatic or, you know, kind of like digitally native ads to retargeting in that sense. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. And then do you have a sense of, you know, your customer through retail, your customer through Amazon, your customer through D2C, are they similar or are you finding, you know, different attributes that tend to kind of you know, build with, within those different categories? They are similar. I would say as a population, we find our customer to be very consistent among multiple channels, which I think, of course, is an advantage because when we're talking about our brand among multiple channels, we don't have to change that or we shouldn't be changing that right per channel. So we do find the population to be very consistent. I will say we find different behaviors, let's say, right? Like for Amazon, we primarily find that People are buying one item because they need it quickly. They need it shipped in two days. On D2C, we find we have active, loyal customers who are 
interested in our subscription program. And whenever we launch a new item, they love our brand so much they can't wait to purchase it. Or, you know, they have an average order value of 3x the times of of Amazon, right? So we find we have like a very, it's more behavior focused, I would say. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, different in terms of who that customer is. It's more, yeah, more about their behavior. Shopping preference. Yeah. Yes. That makes complete sense. Okay. Something that you are passionate about. You know, and this may feel a little off topic, I guess, but I am just really passionate about kind of mentoring the younger generation of women, especially. Mm. And, you know, and it's the reason I asked you, can Lauren do this podcast with me? Because I, she's the expert on omnichannel marketing and the digital side of things, and she should be speaking, you know? And I just feel, you know, for example, I had lunch with an old coworker that I had hired right out of college early on. And she's now, she worked for me in a marketing capacity as an intern and then, you know, an level marketer. And now she's at the place in her career where she's interviewing for a head of marketing role. And she's having a lot of like, can I do this? Am I ready for this big of a position? And I'm saying, yes, you can, you know, and let me tell it, let me help you get there and kind of help make that path maybe a little easier for the women that are coming up behind me because I felt like, you know, I worked for a lot of very male focused organizations early on and honestly didn't have a lot of like female mentors along the way. And so I just feel like it's really important to instill confidence and teach that younger generation to speak in results and be confident and um, take on maybe some of those personality traits that have been stereotyped as more masculine in the past and be comfortable doing so to elevate and ask for what you want in your career. I love the, like, love that, you know, this is obviously female hosted podcast, you know, I run a venture backed business and I love how you just said speak in results. So, you know, one of the things I personally struggled with is, you know, that, that asking for money and, you know, that, that behavior, I find, you know, super unnatural. And I know, I know it's a natural part of the fundraising process. Do you have any tips on, you know, how to better speak in results? Yeah. I mean, It's interesting. So I've interviewed a lot of people over the course of my career, and I've noticed very acutely that men tend to oftentimes speak in results and feel comfortable almost like bragging about all of their accomplishments and, and women do not for whatever reason. And so I've actually kind of stopped interviews in the past when I had someone with this amazing resume and they were talking in a very fluffy manner for, for lack of a better word. And I've said, okay, I've seen your resume. You have absolutely killed it in your career. Now tell me all the results brag to me about everything that you've done and accomplished in your career. And it's crazy to see the switch that happens. And I'm like, yes, this is how you should be speaking. And I think what I coach people to do when they're going into a job interview and kind of what I was talking about with this younger woman this weekend is nobody wants to hear your job description, right? And we want to hear about everything that you have accomplished. So every single thing that you're talking about, whether it's an interview you know, session or you're fundraising for your startup, it's the same sort of thing. Everything that you talk about should be a result. What did, so you did X, Y, and Z. What did that result in? You know, how much did that move the business forward or, you know, and you, and you can really, you should be able to find a result in anything, whether that's 
marketing or creative or technology, everything that you're doing and talking about should be meaningful. And it's okay to say those things. It's not bragging. It's just, you know, the reality and be confident and say it. (laughs) I love that. Cedar, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm going to use that going forward. All right, Lauren, running into our lightning round here. What is your favorite omni-channel brand? Warby Parker, hands down. I think they do an incredible job integrating. Is that what you're wearing? (laughs) Yes, I have. Like, I'm not kidding. Like 12 pairs of Warby Parker glasses. I love them. (laughs) Yeah, they do a wonderful job integrating their tech, their in-store experience, their online experience. It's seamless. What would you change about our industry? This is sort of like in a joking way, but not really. I would say iOS 14 and a half, like the privacy (gasps) updates. It's been been tough. So that's what I would change. Uh, favorite podcast? So Brene Brown is a professor and author. I love her. Um, her Dare to Lead podcast is absolutely amazing. If you haven't listened to it, you definitely should, especially from a, you know an organizational behavior and leadership perspective for women too. It's great. I've read her book. I have not listened to her podcast, but mm-hmm. I will. Yes. Favorite newsletter? For me, um, it's actually called D2C Newsletter. I get it it's a couple times a week, typically. I will say this is the one I actually really learn a lot from. I always take the time to read this. It's definitely helpful. Thanks. And favorite social media channel? I have to say TikTok. The virality is real. It's no joke. I think we all need to get a little bit deeper in TikTok for sure. Uh, Lauren's a secret TikTok influencer, by the way. You guys have to follow her. (laughs) Okay. I do do that. that Yes. So (laughs) I love to hear that favorite book. Okay. I'm going to take this one because I'm like, I love to read more than probably more than most, but I just, I've read many books over the course of my life, but most recently I read These Impossible Things by Salma. I'm going to butcher her last name, El Wardani, but it's a wonderful book that just gives you insight into a culture that I had not been exposed very much to. And that was wonderful. And then The Nightingale as well, if you haven't read it, it's a good, they're both good page turners, but also very good books by Kristen Hanna. Awesome. Thank you. Favorite event that you're planning to go to this year? Yeah, I think Cedar and I would both agree Expo West. We're super excited to go to. It's like, you know, the Super Bowl of the natural products industry. (laughs) But yeah, we're exhibiting this year. So excited to, to be there and to, you know, meet bunch of people and show everyone our wearable wellness patches. Amazing. I'll be there too. It is so much fun. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Last question. Where can everyone that's listening connect with you guys? LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn is good. I'm pretty easy to find given my unusual name and uh, you can both find us under the good patch. Amazing. Cedar, Lauren, thank you so much for your time in this conversation. It's great chatting with you guys. Thank Thank you. you as well. Thanks. If you liked this podcast, Follow me and The Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.